0: Welcome to episode three of the Divine Line. With yours truly, Tyler Divine. Uh, really special podcast today. I was able to talk to former Iowa defensive back Marcus Pascal, uh, who was here in the early 2000s. Um, got to talk to him about a lot of stuff. He's got. He's a, the head coach at Largo High School in Largo, Florida. It's his alma mater. Um, Two of his former players, Calvin Lockett and Quavon Matthews, are currently on the Iowa football roster, so there's kind of a pipeline that's been set up there between Iowa and Largo. Um, also enjoyed the opportunity to talk to him about the racial allegations that have been circulating about Iowa since the beginning of June. Um, he was candid, uh, and and you know I really appreciate his time. It was it was really good to talk to him. Um, he's a guy that I watched play uh, growing up, so. Uh, that was really cool too. Um, we talked about, you know, some of his favorite memories, uh, as a Hawkeye football player, um, some of his, you know, his coaching inspiration, how he got into coaching, um, his relationship with, with Phil Parker, who is, uh, you know, the defensive back whisperer. Um, so yeah, it was really good. Um, not a ton of news today. Uh, more Iowa football players have been added to a watch lists for um, national awards. Uh, Chauncey Golston is on the Nagurski watch list. Uh, and then Alaric Jackson and Koi Kronk, um, the Indiana transfer, are on the Outland Trophy watch list. So, not a surprise. Um, I don't know much about Koi Kronk. In fact, I know next to nothing except for that he used to play at indiana and kind of battled injuries while he was there but you know that's if that's the he's he's a big dude i mean he's like 6'6 320 or something like that. you know he's a tackle and so and he's experienced and if he ends up getting that starting job that's two good bookends on the offensive line with linderbaum in the middle and you know whoever's filling in at guard um and it's not a surprise that Chauncey Golson's on, on that watch list either. I think he's – I think I talked about this in the first episode. Um, I think he's poised for a huge season. Um, he's incredibly athletic. Um, and now that – but he's going to be the guy now. Um, a lot of his plays were, they were, you know, running away from AJ Epinesa. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what Chauncey can do, you know, Assuming that we play football this fall. Well, not we. I don't play football anymore. But um, some other stuff that, that I'll get to maybe after Marcus. Uh, John Ronstein from CBS Sports interviewed Fran McCaffrey a couple of days ago. Um, and currently he has a top 45 that he puts out. Iowa now number three, assuming Garza comes back. Um, so I'll get to that a little bit later. Um and there's a new new offer in the 2022 class for football here uh, out of the state of Alabama. So for now, enjoy uh, Marcus Pascal. I will add that uh, there were a couple technical difficulties in the middle. So uh, it starts with me asking about, about him and uh, how he got into high school coaching. And he used to laugh at me
1: and and just say you really sure you want to do that and you know so this is kind of you know I get so much traffic recruiting wise and I tell people all the time I'm, I'm living a dream this is this is one of the last childhood dreams I ever had you know to go back and be the high school head football coach at my high school. Um, What inspired you to get into coaching? Uh, I just like helping people you know and I feel like you know at the high school level especially in my community I can have a, a real big impact, you know, because a lot of these kids, um, now they, they didn't get a chance to see me play, but you know, so a lot of their family members remember me as a youth, you know, playing high school football at Largo High and then at Iowa and then, um, my five years in the league. And so I, I feel like I can really make a big impact, not on just the, the player it's himself, but their
0: family as well. When, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? Is this something that came from a, a young age? I think just, you know, as I started, I started playing football at the age of nine.
1: And I think, you know, as I start, I, I had a lot of great coaches in my career. Um, and still to this day, you know, a lot of even my youth league coaches, they laugh all the time. If I see them, I, I still call them coach. And he's like, you don't got to call me coach. But that's just, <laughs> you know, they, they made a, a huge impact on me. Um, And so I would say probably around the high school age I I started, and that's when I started to tell my high school coach, like one of these days I'm going to come back and be the head football coach right here.
0: Have you thought about if the opportunity presented itself of, you know, moving up to college? or?
1: Oh, I've thought about it, you know, and and I have the question brought up yearly, you know. I got a a lot of bunch of my buddies, you know, college buddies, you know, people that I either played with played against you know and, and college coaches that coached against me they knew me from Iowa and, and my professional career and so the question always comes up and my answer is always the same it, it would have to be the perfect situation for me you know I, at the end of the day I know college football it's a business um, I love football but ultimately I love my family even more you know married three kids um, my daughter is going into the eighth grade I got two younger boys my Oldest son will be nine on Saturday, and then my youngest son, he's six, um, um, and they're very good athletes in their own right, you know. And so it would be, it'll take that right situation, you know, because I value my family time, and I know the the, the rigorous hours that college coaches put into um, being a college coach.
0: Uh, you have a kind of a pipeline. Going to Iowa from Largo right now. You've got
1: yeah, we got a little something going on. You know, we got two on campus with Calvin Lockett and Quavon Matthews, both receivers. So you know, we're trying to doing a little something.
0: And almost a third with Keelan Gully, but
1: yep, almost a third. You know, and so right now he's at Hutchison taking care of his business. So um, who knows what the future holds, but definitely.
0: How did that? I mean, it obviously your ties to Iowa have something to do with it. I mean, did you reach out to? coach ference and his staff or did they kind of reach out to you first to kind of get Uh, that relationship going
1: with calvin i i think ultimately they reached out to me you know at at once upon a time um they weren't really recruiting florida that heavy anymore you know and so they would reach out to me all the time and, and ask me any players in the county or in the area because they trusted my opinion you know and and even before Calvin, I would I would give him a couple players here there that they would recruit from the Tampa Bay area, and just so happened, you know, Lockett he started to blossom into a player, and you know, and I and I passed his name along as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, they did. You're right about that. Kind of, it seemed like when you were playing,
1: you we know, a, a, we a all quarter started. of the
0: roster was from Florida. You know, exactly. Yep. And they're kind of getting back there now. They, you know, yeah, they
1: are. You know, like like I said, probably. Four years ago, they probably weren't too much action down here. You know, and that's at the time they started reaching out to me. And, you know, if I if I knew of any guys that I thought could really get up there and make an impact, I would pass the name on. And um, and it went from there. And I think they're trying to slowly get back down here. You know, they got a couple guys from the Tampa area. You know, you got my two, you got your safety over from Tampa Jesuit, you know, just got another commit, and you know, so slowly but surely hopefully we can get a few more florida boys up there
0: do you feel like with all of the talent that's in florida that a lot of guys are just as talented and, you know maybe would shine if they were playing in a place like you know iowa i guess that no, some theory. guys just get you know, overlooked
1: myself you know i was under recruited i really didn't iowa was my only power 5 offer um, i played quarterback as a junior and then only played DB as a senior, you know, and what? the late Norm Parker at the time, and um, it worked out for me. So I, I th- it's definitely a lot of talent down here that gets looked over by the big three, Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Um, and, I, you know, it's a lot of these kids just want an opportunity to play big-time football like myself, and I made the best of it. What would you have done
0: if you didn't end up at Iowa? <sighs>
1: Who knows like I tell the kids all the time you know because a lot of the kids in my program they didn't get the opportunity to watch me but family members have told them and I'm like I let them know you look yes I made it to the the mountaintop I played in the National Football League but coming out of here I only had three offers Iowa Troy State and they were one double A at the time and in Hofstra I don't even think they have football any longer so I think you're right. Yeah. it was a, it was a situation. It it worked out, you know, and and I was the choice that I made, you know, my mom kind of was leaning towards one of the others and my dad, like, and ultimately it was my decision and and it worked out for me. Uh,
0: Side note, if I cut out, I apologize. My internet's acting a little funny right now. Oh, no Um, problem. uh, When you, you know, obviously, you know, you have your Hawkeye stuff, you know, on your wall behind you. When you hear about these allegations made by former players last month. What was your reaction to that?
1: It was tough, you know, because, you know, Iowa has a special place in my, in my heart, you know, for Iowa. But at the same time, I really can't speak on other people's experiences. You know, I only know what I went through. Um, I, my experience was a little different, and, and I enjoyed it. But I definitely, my eyes and ears have been open to everything that
0: some of these former players have been coming out saying. So you, you know, obviously had a different experience than these other guys. I mean, what – did you have any inkling of, of, of things like this going on or anything no, like that?
1: Well, you know, like I said, just because I, I didn't experience it doesn't mean, you know, the other guys didn't. And so I, I've literally – this since it broke and the news broke, I, I've really just been sitting back and, and, you know, taking it all in, you know, and, and listening to these guys, you know, because obviously, you know, if they're bringing it up, something – made them feel this way, you know? And so ultimately it's not my place to sit back and say, well, just cause it didn't happen to me, it didn't happen to you. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I've been ears and eyes and just, you know, following it, you know, and I trying to do my due diligence and be a part of the, the, the solution, you know, um, everybody's talking about the problem, you know, but now where do we go from here? You know, and I'm just trying to play my part and. um, Build, to get this thing back on the right track and, and continue to grow from here.
0: What do you tell players of yours that are maybe being recruited by Iowa? They hear about this, you know, maybe they're hesitant to to continue. Yeah.
1: And they have every right, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm in a, a unique situation because being a former Hawkeye, you know, I got two kids up there and, um, but at the same time, even with my two guys that's up there, I, I gave them every information I could and ultimately it's your decision. This is not a decision you're making off of me because just because Iowa was the right fit for me, doesn't mean it's going to be the right fit for you. Um, so make sure my position as the head coach is your head coach first. Um, I'm going to give you as much knowledge as possible and you and your family, any questions you guys have for me, I'll answer them truthfully, but ultimately, you have to evaluate the coaching staff. You have to evaluate the academics. You have to evaluate the, the environment, you know, the Iowa City environment. And, and those two guys that's on the roster, they did that. It wasn't a situation where they just made a decision because my coach went there.
0: How well, – you mentioned earlier that you've had a lot of great coaches. I mean, Phil Parker is certainly one of them. Uh, yeah. How, how important has, was Phil Parker to your career?
1: Phil, he played a huge role, you know, come leaving Florida, you know, and we had a real good relationship, still have a real good relationship. We talk on a regular. um, And so this is something, you know, I came in by behind all great Bob Sanders, you know, so sitting learning with Bob and, you know, hearing some of Bob's and Phil's conversation, you know, as the young guy in the room, and it it ultimately molded me into the player. I I became there.
0: I think a lot of people think, I think that Bob Sanders is uh responsible a lot for for this resurgence of Iowa football back in the early two thousands. Yeah. What would yeah. what was it like being in the same being in the room with Bob?
1: It was it it was uh it was an honor, you know, and even to sit back now and talk about it, um Bob took me under his wing, you know, when he didn't even know me. You know, I had a very good relationship with Jovan. Me and Jovan Johnson came in, mm-hmm. um, and Jovan and Bob both from Erie, so I kind of just I fell right, right up under his wing because of him and Jovan's relationship. So you know, um, I learned so much from him, you know, and it really molded me. So when he was ready to leave, you know, I took over for the next three years, and without him there. Learning from him, who knows, you know, maybe it would have took me another year to mature and understand um, what it took to be a Big Ten safety, you know. But being able to watch him my red shirt year and then my red shirt freshman year playing behind him as his backup and then when he left, um, I was very comfortable, you know, stepping in and it showed, being a three-year starter.
0: You know, as well as anybody, how different Iowa and Florida are from one another. What was that, that uh, transition like for you?
1: Um, it was different, you know, but I knew what I was coming into. You know, you're talking to it, and I tell people all the time. Um, for instance, I'll give you an example. Like down here in Florida where I grew up, it was kind of your business is your business. Um, if I don't know you, we're not communicating. Where I, you know, I get to Iowa City and, you know, you got all type of different people reaching out, you know, and maybe not even new. I was a football player or athlete, but it was, it was just such a family community, you know, walking the streets. I, I remember one, of my official visit, you got people reaching out and like, Oh, okay. This and, and I'm like, wow, you know, this, it was different, you know, but um, it grew on me and I made the best of my experience.
0: And you, you know, you played on some really good teams here. Uh, do you have, are there one, two, three, you know, specific memories as a, player that that really stand out to you Oh yeah
1: I got I I got a bunch of them you know I mean I the Capital
0: One Bowl has to be up there
1: Capital One Bowl and the thing is a lot of people mention that as a positive which it is a positive because we won that game but it was kind of as a player it was kind of negative that was the game that I tore my ACL um I think it was the end of the first quarter if it wasn't the end of the first quarter it was the, the beginning of the second you know so I watched the rest of that game um, on crutches. Um, so as much as a historical moment it is in Iowa football, it's, it's a historical moment for me too, you know, tearing my ACL and having my first surgery to rehab from, you know, but that was definitely um, a huge experience for me. I, I would even go back um, to my red shirt freshman year, you know, backing up Bob. I think one of my first plays to, to really get my name out there was on kickoff. In Kennick versus Michigan, you know, running down and making a, a big hit on Steve breston and I, I feel like that kind of opened the eyes, not just to the coaching staff, but to the Iowa fans. Like, look, who who is this guy that's been playing behind Bob, um and maybe he will be ready to, you know, step in when Bob leaves. And so, you know, I can go on, and I had so many memories running out in Kennick, you know, we we played in so many big games, and it it, it was a great experience.
0: Cool hey that's all I have for you man i really appreciate you taking the time all right thank you uh thanks again to Marcus for coming on some really good stuff there um i just I, you know it's it's interesting hearing all these different perspectives and um it just goes to show that maybe you know he was on the team and you know you know you could speculate maybe he just didn't want to go into that much detail but if he didn't have any inkling as to what may or may not have been happening while he was here, then that just kind of goes to show that guys didn't want to speak up and realize that they maybe felt like they had to shut up so they could make, you know, get to their ultimate goal of the NFL. So thanks again to him. Um, I also thought it was interesting how highly he spoke of Phil Parker. Not that that's a surprise. It just goes to show how good and how valuable Phil Parker is as a football coach. Um, he's taken so many guys that were lightly recruited, I mean, and and made them into really good college players and some of them really good NFL players. I mean, Bob Sanders, like Marcus mentioned. Marcus Pascal, second-team All-Big Ten one year. Um, Antoine Allen, Jovan Johnson, I mean, Josh Jackson hardly had any offers coming out of high, uh, high school. Um, Desmond King was committed to uh, uh, Mac School, so you know it just it it's just another testament to Phil Parker's talent as a football coach. Now with the basketball team earlier, like I mentioned, Fran McCaffrey told John Rothstein from CBS Sports that he wanted whatever is best for Luca Garza. Garza said. I believe it was reported he was going to announce August 2nd, which is a day before the deadline for guys to announce whether they're coming back or entering the NBA draft. Um, As time goes on and things are so fluid with the pandemic, I keep thinking that he might not come back. I'm still 50-50 on it, but I'm starting to lean towards him uh, going off and making money, whether that's in the G League or if he gets a shot as a free agent in the NBA or, or, um, or overseas. Uh, but I also think that the thought also definitely has crossed his mind about how special I. I mean, I can't believe that I'm talking about the Iowa basketball team potentially being a national title contender. I'm almost thirty years old, and I've never even considered that to be a thing so you know you have guys coming back you have Bohannon coming back Frederick Wieskamp Jack Nungy who we don't really know what Jack Nungy can do still Um, battled injuries he redshirted twice now so we've seen a limited dose of Jack Nungy but he's a seven footer with range so if he can put the whole package together that's you know that's scary Patrick McCaffrey Connor McCaffrey um, I'm miss. I'm definitely miss, Joe Toussaint, I mean, how do you pick a starting five out of that? Especially if Garza's back. So, it's, I'm very, I think if it's guaranteed that with or without fans there's going to be a college basketball season this fall, I could see Garza coming back. Because I think the logistics of putting on a basketball, uh, season, are way easier to comprehend than a football season so it'll be interesting um yeah and uh, you know apologize for the technical issues again the pa- apparently i can't i just can't avoid them uh i'll get the kinks worked out one of these days uh hopefully it's not like 50 podcasts down the line um But uh, Iowa, the football team, offered um, Easton Harris, the 2022 defensive lineman out of Alabama today. Uh, He's already got, let's see, Florida State, Georgia, Nebraska, Tennessee, Texas A&M, USC. I mean, that's, that's a heck of a list for a guy that still has two years of high school football left to play. So that'd be an interesting get. They don't usually... Uh, recruit Alabama t- uh, terribly hard. Um, they have Reggie Bracy on the on the roster right now. He's from Alabama, but the the Southeast, well, except for Florida, the South they Southeast typically goes untouched. Florida and Georgia, I guess they've been had some success in Georgia recently, but uh, Tyler Goodson being the obvious example there. Um, but yeah, I'm. We'll see if I can get a hold of him and, and see what he says about Iowa. And, and I'm sure he'll say, you know, all the right things that fans want to hear. But, um, you know, it's always interesting to get uh, the perspective of these guys that aren't from the Midwest, didn't grow up watching Iowa, um, grew up in SEC country, things of that nature. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think that's it for today. Uh, thanks again to Marcus Pascal. Um, and hopefully there'll be a little bit more news to talk about the next, the next time. So I'll see you then.